Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein, who is recording this week from his brand new office located in Cloakroom Gentlemen's Club in Washington, D.C., the first legal sports book in the U.S. inside a strip club. Uh, last Thursday, the sports book had what it termed a, quote, soft launch in the strip club, which... Uh, it's rare, but I guess that can happen. No, not even a courtesy chuckle for me on that one, huh? I don't know. I, I was proud of that joke, and uh, I feel like the, the jokes with this kind of write themselves. Uh, Jeff, you, you've had two weeks since our last podcast to think about it, so hit me with all your best... Uh... I'm sorry. Yeah, no, just give me... I'll be back in a second. Ladies, <laughs> give me a minute. <laughs> I thought that was oh, accidental. I thought that was accidental no, background no, noise. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to take this call. I'll be right back. Okay. Just save my spot. <laughs> hey, Eric. Yeah. You, you, you there, uh, Jeff? Uh, you, you, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. Guess. Give me give me, give me, me your thoughts on uh, on how much time and money uh, young pre-marriage Jeff would have spent in uh, in a uh, sports book inside of a, a strip club. Uh, give, me, give me your thoughts direct from the strip club. Yeah, if I'm being honest, uh, you know, assuming – if this was like 1995 and this is like pre-internet, like back, I mean, I, I used to go to the sports bar every Sunday to watch every football game, you know, before you had the internet and, you know, all this stuff. If there was a strip club sports betting, I mean, for, I, yeah, I'd spend a lot of time there. Like, I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I was like, like, come on, let's be real. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I would, yeah, I mean, I would, uh, yeah, I'd be there. I'd, I'd be watching <laughs> girls dance naked while betting on sports because like, I mean, I'm not sure why you wouldn't. Now, of course, I got the internet. I, if I want to see naked girls, I got the internet. If I want to bet on sports, I got the internet. I, I mean, I don't need to be there. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that's that. But I'm here. I am here. Well, you I'm, are here. Right. right. You are. That's where your office is now located. And your wife is is fine with that. You've you've cleared it with her. She said, go ahead. It's for work. You got to do what you got to do. I, she's well past the point of caring, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. Uh, but seriously, very seriously. No, it's fun. I mean, it's a fun idea, obviously. I mean, it's you're you're, you're merging 
two things that a lot of men happen to like, you know, and so good for them. Yes. And let's not rule out women. There, there, there could be women who enjoy going to uh, strip clubs as well, and certainly women who enjoy sports betting. So, you know, let's not let's not make this entirely about one gender. Um. Okay. The Venn diagram <laughs> is pretty tight on that one. I, think. I, I agree. I'm not saying I'm not saying that women represent a large percentage of this audience, but I just don't like to exclude them. Fair, fair. I I will say, uh, if cloakroom is smart, they'll work the phrase "lose your shirt" into a promotion. Right. That's that, mm, that's, that's got to happen. Right. Clever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I, there there <laughs> were all sorts of directions I could have gone uh, using uh, jokes about spreads or, or bad beats. But I, I don't feel comfortable making those. Lose your shirt seems safe enough. I don't yeah, I don't feel comfortable listening to them. So, yes, I think lose your shirt. Is, <laughs> good. We're on the same page. OK, good. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I, I I do feel like, uh, yeah, I would have been pretty into this as well in my younger days. The move definitely would have been. Uh, considering that this was back when I had like no money to spend, uh, in, in my early to mid twenties, you go with your buddies, you bet 20 bucks on a game. If it loses, that's it. That's your night. If it wins, you get a lap dance and it's basically free. I I think that's a fun approach. It's not a bad approach. All right, not a bad approach. I don't know how much a lap dance. I've been inside a strip club in about twenty-five years. Good, good point. So good point. Sure exactly, yeah, it, uh... it was it was twenty bucks last time I was there, but uh, I yeah maybe maybe the going rate has gone up. Yeah, possibly, quite possibly. What a conversation to kick off the podcasting year. Uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number two hundred twenty-three of Gamble On, the first episode of. 2023. If you missed any of our previous 222 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. Please subscribe, write a review, and tuck a five-star rating in our (laughs) G-strings. I'm hurt. I'm hurt by that last (laughs) bit there. All right, listen. Joining us later today is uh, Circa's Jeff Benson, bad boy bookmaking. Uh, we had a great conversation with them uh, about all things uh, bookmaking, including uh, Devin Booker and you know Benson's status as uh, you know one of the, the the more vocal people in the industry. But before we get to that, we got two weeks of news to take down. So uh, Eric, let's get to the news. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. After a week off, we have some extra news to catch up on, so this week you're getting five stories instead of the usual three, although we'll try to run through each relatively quickly, and we'll start with the topic that's on everyone's mind, Damar Hamlin's injury. It should go without saying that his health and hopes for his recovery are top of mind. But we're a gambling industry podcast, so we're also paying attention to gambling implications of the Bills-Bengals game getting suspended. As of our recording time, we don't have a definitive word from the NFL on whether the game will resume at some point or both teams will just end up playing 16 games and that's that. If the latter, there are all sorts of repercussions in fantasy football, for season-long bets, for season-long picks contests, and so on. Jeff, any thoughts on how operators are handling this so far or whether you think anyone has mishandled it? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, I think the operators thus far have done a, a, a bang-up job. Uh, you know, they, they all waited until the NFL gave word about what was going to happen this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, for, at least from what I've been seeing, they were very quick on refund, getting money back to people and refunding money. And, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of complaints, really, like, you know, on Twitter. So I'm guessing the sportsbooks have done a fine job so far. 
Uh, I just now it's just wait and see what the NFL is going to do. You know, right. As far as what the NFL is going to do, you know, my my feeling from the moment that I heard Bill's players flew back to Buffalo after the game was that a cancellation was the most likely scenario that that I thought there was a decent chance they might try to play it a day or two later. But that once it was clear that couldn't happen. My sense is that it, it isn't worth tearing up the whole league's playoff schedule over. Um, I know, you know, some teams play 16 games and some play 17 and uh, seeding is certainly affected, which is not ideal, but um, it doesn't change who makes the playoffs. I, I don't think in the end it stands out as like a blow to the integrity of the season. So we'll, we'll see, but that's kind of my expectation is that they're most likely not to bother to play the game at this point. Uh, certainly, what, what, one thing I'm confident of is that the NFL's decision will not be swayed by what's best for fantasy leagues and sports books and, and, and all that. And obviously, no, the, the, they, they all want the game to play uh, in order to avoid controversy and, and whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if the game does not get played, it, it potentially affects so many season-long bets. Um, you know, there are yardage props for certain players. There are bets on one team or the other to finish with the most regular season wins. There are even bets like Joe Burrow for MVP, which... You know, I think if the Bengals win out, including him beating Josh Allen head to head and he has a great performance as he was starting to have on Monday night, then he finishes the season with a case to to vote for him over Mahomes. But I, that case pretty much goes away if this game doesn't resume. Um, the, the, the one thing that stands out to me that I think people may really get pissed about is the bets made at books where the fine print says the team has to play 17 games or it's voided. Um, At those books, if you had Bengals over 10 and a half wins and they're already at 11, unfortunately, that no, according to Jay Cornegay in the uh, Ask a Bookmaker column on U.S. Bets, at least the policy at Superbook uh, is that it's a refund, even though they clinch the over because he said, you know, anyone on the other side with the under ticket would point to the house rules and ask for their money back. So they have to be even to both sides. But that's exactly. But the fact that you reacted the way you did is exactly what I'm saying, that I think that's going to cause some real problems. The books that have that fine print and refund what would have been a winning bet. Yeah, uh, that's going to be an issue. I mean, we're just going to wait and see what happens. I mean, right. I, these l- listen, I mean, this is an obviously an unparalleled situation. Mm-hmm. It's going to much like COVID did, I'm sure it's going to change the way it's going to change the fine print going forward. I'm sure, yeah. you know, for a lot of these books, but I, I think, you know, <laughs> the book should do everything in their power to do what's right. Okay. And, and what's right may mean that some people are on the short end of it, or some books are on the short, short end of it, but they should, seek to do what's right and it clearly like in this case that like you just mentioned like the over win bet what's right is to pay out the winners like how, how do you not do that but i guess we'll just have to wait and see i i agree but then what happened and and you would hope then that most of the losers the people who bet under 10 and a half wins for for the bengals would they already be, lost though w- right would be okay with that but again right. jay, jay is right that some of them may come up and say ah your fine print says 17 games had to had right. to pay give me my money back and so then are you paying and, out paying out the winners but but voiding the losers maybe no, you don't avoid right. the losers there but again well, it's, it's you have to do what's, what's what's quote unquote right and if the betters you know 
Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. You're right because then, yeah, if I'm a losing better, do I can I do I have a case? You know, can I like file a complaint? Right. I get that's uh, a headache, is what it is. It is. You know? Yeah, it is definitely a headache. I think, and... Personally, I think the NFL should do everything they can to play the game. My personal opinion. Right. Well, yeah, we'll see what they decide to do there, and I think I think that ultimately is going to come down to. I'm guessing that they're like taking a vote of all the owners would would be my guess that that's where this is going to land and see what the majority thinks that that they ought to do uh, this since of course the owners really run the league but um the the one other thing I want to quickly touch on here is just that I have no idea how you handicap Bills games going forward. Um, you know, the, these guys are, are, are tough. We all know that. Yeah. But, you know, will they hit as hard and be willing to get hit as hard next time out? We, we won't know till we see it. You know, maybe they rally around Hamlin and, and, and win the Super Bowl. Maybe they can't bet get back in the zone that they need to get into to play their best football. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Uh, OK, our, our next story is a more typical gamble on news story. A state sports betting launch. The state is Ohio, which, starting at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve, saw more sports books launch in a single day than has ever happened in any state, with more than 25 mobile and retail books all going live. There were 11.3 million geo-comply transactions in Ohio on January 1st and 2nd, more than in any other state. And Ohio was a key factor in there being 166,000 sportsbook app downloads nationwide on January 1st the second most on any day this NFL season. A few quick side notes. DraftKings may be fined up to $350,000 for advertising to minors in Ohio. Pete Rose placed one of the ceremonial first bets and made a nice $100 donation by betting on the Reds to win the 2023 World Series. And Ohio State's season ended with a missed field goal about three seconds before midnight, depriving all the sports books of a chance to make big money on in-game bets if the game had gone a few minutes longer. All in all, though, it seemed like a smooth launch. Uh, Jeff, anything to say about Ohio becoming the fourth largest state to offer mobile sports betting? In the words of the A-team's Hannibal Smith, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> uh, they pulled it off. Ohio pulled it off. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of questions, especially with the, like this midnight launch and all that. But listen, they, they pulled it off. Pete Rose was there, which was great. Uh, you know, very few complaints I saw like out in the world, which is great. DraftKings got bad PR, which is not great, but becoming all too regular, I feel like. So, yeah, I think Ohio, like, well, A+. Plus, A+. Plus. All right. Other, yeah. th- other than the questionable plan in the first place to launch at midnight instead of uh, yeah, something more reasonable. Off, so right. Good for them. I'm hoping that uh, Pete Rose is, is enjoying the irony of being able to openly bet on the Reds now. I, I hope that was part of his thought process uh, with this. Um, I actually, the sports book actually should have built a little uh, temporary dugout for him to sit in with a phone in it and he can get on the mm-hmm. phone and call in the bet on the Reds from the dugout. That would have been smart marketing, if you ask me. Pete Rose is many things, but like a student of irony, I don't know if one of them. <laughs> no, I'm giving him too much credit. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Uh, all right. Uh, the next story here is a quickie, just uh, putting a button on something we've been discussing for the past month. The Massachusetts Gaming Commission put Barstool Sportsbook through the ringer, expressed reluctance to grant it a license in the state, but at a Wednesday hearing, finally granted Barstool approval, as we assume the commission eventually would. It's only, quote, initial approval, though, as Barstool still has to satisfy certain conditions, including fully cooperate with an investigation into the company's branding, whatever that entails, and provide diversity goals with regard to its own staff and outside suppliers. But they'll get their license, clearly. So, in the end, Jeff, was this good publicity for Barstool Sportsbook in Massachusetts now that it's ending with them getting licensed just like everybody else? Well, in the words of not the A-team's Dave Portnoy, uh, one bite, <laughs> everybody knows the rules. Yeah, of course this was good publicity. I mean, and of course they were going to get their license. Of course they're going to get their license. Any PR for Portnoy at this point in, like, the the Portnoy universe, man, that's a tongue twister, Uh is is it ends up being good publicity, you know? Like if you love right. Portnoy, there you just you're on his side. If you hate him, you already hate him. So yeah, I mean this is, you know, uh, there was zero. I mean, the only thing better for Barstool's brand, I think, would be for them to not have gotten the license in Massachusetts. <laughs> Uh, better for the brand, not necessarily better for the bottom line, I guess, because they sure, would then be sure. losing the state. But yeah, I see that. Yeah, I mean, between Barstool being a Massachusetts originated company and this little bit of extra publicity and it'll be interesting to see how they fare in the state you know it would seem like they have a better chance in massachusetts than anywhere else of actually challenging DraftKings, FanDuel, mgn etc although i tend to assume they'll still land somewhere on that next tier down once everything settles in massachusetts but if there's any state where maybe they can compete with the big boys i guess it could be massachusetts um one thing i want to point out that uh, this is from uh, jill's jill dorson's article on sports handle um there was an exchange that i found amusing uh she wrote Penn's benji levy uh initially pushed back on having to provide diversity goals, saying that other applicants were not required to do the same, but Commissioner Jordan Maynard forcefully responded, quote, we didn't do it in places where the questions are answered. The question was asked in the application, and if it was sidestepped or not answered directly, then we asked for it, end quote. So I, I like that. I, I just get a kick out of adults talking to other adults like their children. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, they have a female CEO, for Christ's sake. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> That's all the diversity right, they need. Here, well, no, but I mean, it's. I mean, it's not. It's. It's. It's not. I don't know. I, this. I, don't get me started on diversity, please. I, <laughs> okay. this, that, that. I don't need to be canceled today. Okay. All right. Good. I, I'll. I'll cut it off right there. I'm, I agree <laughs> that you don't need to be canceled today. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, if you thought Drew Brees getting fake struck by lightning to promote points bet was the last big Brees points bet story of 2022, you were sadly mistaken. Uh, last Thursday, 
A few days before the Citrus Bowl between Purdue and LSU, the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement ordered all books in the state to stop taking bets on the game because of concerns related to, quote, an individual who was revealed to be Breeze, who had long been a spokesperson for points bet, but on December 15th became an interim assistant coach for his alma mater, Purdue. Uh, soon after, points bet ended its marketing deal with Breeze, but that wasn't good enough for the DGE, which ordered all bets placed on the game after December 15th voided. Jeff, is this proper caution by the DGE or an excess of caution? And any idea why people can bet in New Jersey on games featuring active NHL player Connor McDavid, who has a sponsorship deal with BetMGM? Uh, you, you know, I, I don't, but it's probably worth an email to the, the DGE and to figure yeah. that out. Um, but, you know, as far as like, I don't think Drew Brees being on the sideline and I, I don't, I, do I think it mattered? Absolutely not. It's overkill, I think, what, the, what they did. But honestly, at this point, like in the United States gambling market, you know, and it's our still infancy here, mm-hmm. uh, overkill is better than underkill, I think, yes. when it comes to things like this, you know. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And New Jersey, you know, take take the take the efforts to clear things up. Right. I mean, it's 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 better that way. Yeah, I, I, I feel the exact same way. It's a case where I think it's an excess of caution, but I also think there's something to be said for erring on that side, you know, in, in terms of appearances in terms of giving people grounds to possibly complain about something the dge avoids potential issues by doing this um you know i I guess like let's say points bet had a boost on the game before breeze was cut loose maybe it gets that tiny bit of conflict of interest e whether people could speculate that he's doing something coaching wise to to make that boost hit or not make that boost hit i I don't know it's a reach but I, I'm inclined, like you, not to criticize the DGE for showing excessive caution here. Um, but, yeah, the question of then, why do they allow bets on Oilers games? Uh, I haven't seen David Reebuck and the DGE address that at all. It sure seems inconsistent to me to allow that, but to pull the Purdue game off the board. And and I just wonder if sometime soon a wall is going to go up preventing active athletes from having any sportsbook sponsorship deals. There aren't many that, that do. Connor McDavid is one of the one of the few that uh, has signed something like that, but that would seem a possible upshot of this that somebody puts the kibosh on, on any of those sort of deals. It would make sense. I mean, again, excess of caution, probably right. overkill, but why not? Right. All right. Uh, I've saved for last the story that I know you want to rant most angrily about. Don't get canceled, though, but uh, but go ahead and, and, and give, give me an angry rant on this. It's one of the stupidest stories of the post-PASPA sports betting era, and it is the suspension of Jets wide receivers coach Miles Austin for violating the NFL's gambling policy. But this isn't like Calvin Ridley, who got caught betting on NFL games. Austin bet on NBA games and played online casino table games, And that's against the rules for NFL employees, not the players, but everyone else. Uh, Jeff, I I read what you wrote while I was away on vacation. I know how you feel about this. A little more time has passed. Have you cooled down at all or or are you still pissed? Oh, I mean, I've cooled down. I mean, it would be silly to remain pissed off like, you know, I'm trying to be more of a Zen Buddhist in my older (laughs) advancing age. But uh, how's that going? Stupid. It's terrible okay. <laughs> uh it's a it's a stupid rule i i would hope and imagine that the nfl like revisits the stupid rule before someone else gets caught up in the stupidness of it mm-hmm. uh and what's even more stupid i mean if he went to atlantic city and was betting at the tables he'd be fine if he was betting offshore they wouldn't have found out that he was you know betting on nba games i mean the whole thing's just stupid 
you know, so, it's stupid. To, so to clarify the the Atlantic City uh, point, it, you're just saying because they wouldn't they wouldn't know. It's not any less against the rules, right? For it's it's not that the online is not allowed and the in person is allowed. You're just saying because he could walk into a casino and and uh, and nobody would be for able sure. To... Okay, yeah. all right. But I, think, uh, right. but I think he is allowed to play on in person. If I've read the rules correctly, maybe oh. I'm wrong. But like the it doesn't it doesn't even matter. Right. The fact that like he can't legally bet on NBA games or play online casino games because he works for the NFL is is ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous for a variety of reasons. It's ridiculous because the players are allowed to do so, but the secretaries can't. It's ridiculous because, like, the NFL is in bed with 30,000 different sports books right now. Like, right. what are we doing? You know, it's just it, – it's stupid. It's, yeah. they, it's, it's stupid. It's unfair. It's unreasonable. And despite the fact that, yeah, Miles Austin should have known the rules, like, give the guy a break. I mean, come on. This is ridiculous. Yeah. All right. That that was a relatively controlled Zen Buddhist rant, given uh, gi- given the level of uh, anger you you could have shown there. I mean, I, I can't imagine why the rules for non-players would be any different than the rules for players, except that the Players Association <laughs> held held some sway, That's and there right. there That's is right. no there is no wide receivers coaches association to advocate for the Miles Austins of the world. But but the but the rule is Id- idiotic for anyone. You know, NFL employees. Okay, they can't bet on the NFL. I get that. Makes sense. There is zero reason to take away their freedom to do any other form of of gambling. Um, And I get that this is not the number one issue the NFL is dealing with right now. Um, So I don't expect any any change uh, immediately. But in the offseason... Somebody needs to scream at Roger Goodell until he fixes this rule and and allows NFL employees to have basic human freedoms. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there, I, I don't see a counter argument to, to your position and my position on this, uh, not to mention suspended for a year. If, if he'd right. gotten, if he'd gotten two games, I would still say idiotic policy, please fix the policy. Right. But, but I can kind of get over it for now. If miles Austin isn't back coaching at the start of next season, I will very much not be over this. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you're taking away the guy's livelihood because he, Fail to understand, like, these picayune rules that shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. I call bullshit. Yeah. What, what, what can we do about all the stupid people in the world? Something must be done about the stupid people. We can't continue allowing them to make decisions that impact us. What do we do about this? Uh, so I've thought about this. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the answer is uh, become a hermit, find a cave, and, uh, you know, live out the, your days in relative peace. Okay. Can it, will will I have an internet connection that allows me to podcast from the cave? I mean, I guess you could get a Wi-Fi situation set up somewhere, a little hotspot. You know? All right. All right. So we'll next next episode, you'll be at the strip club. I'll be in the cave, and uh, we'll record Gamble on. Seems reasonable. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble on interview. Circus Sports has a simple motto that you can find on its website, its social media, and everywhere else, sports betting the way it should be. Obviously, that's a subjective position, not an objective position, but it's one a lot of people in our little industry agree with. Joining us now to give us a dose of sports betting podcasting the way it should be is the operations manager at Circus Sportsbook, Jeff Benson. Jeff, welcome back to Gamble On. Thanks for having me on, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, so when we lined up this interview with you several days ago, 
I couldn't have imagined we'd be leading with a topic like this, but uh, a lot of the sports gambling world's attention is on the suspended Bills-Bengals game. Uh, we're recording this interview late Wednesday. Maybe by the time this posts, the NFL will have made a final decision about rescheduling the game. Uh, but w- what I'm curious about is for you to offer a window into what it was like among the bookmakers at Circa on Monday night when the game was suspended. How frantic was it? Did you have to deal with angry customers or, or were they all understanding given the situation? And, and also just how much did going through COVID help you to have careful rules in place in case of canceled games? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you alluded to, I, I think a lot of what our house rules were, and particularly as it relates to our contests, a lot of the things that we put in were COVID-related rules. Obviously, in this scenario, it's not COVID-related, but the approved house rules that we have as written, you know, we have to make sure that we follow those to the letter of the law, and we don't just arbitrarily get to pick and choose uh based on an act of God situation, based on what's happening and all those different things. I think a lot of bettors just think that they should automatically be refunded when making sure that, uh, you know, sports books follow their house rules, the way they're written protects both the better and the sports book. You know, for us, obviously in a volume based business, you know, you really want to get money back into people's accounts as quickly as possible you know, in a low hold business, you know, you want people to churn as much money through their accounts as possible, uh, which would ideally mean speeding up that refund process. But as I alluded to, you know, we have these house rules, they're approved by the Nevada Gaming Control Board, um, and the other states, obviously, that we operate in, and making sure that we adhere to those rules, you know, the way they were written. It may be frustrating for players, um, but we just have to make sure that we have 100% clarity before we refund. Obviously, when you look back at the Denmark situation with Christian Eriksson um, and what happened with him, it was something where we refunded. And then ultimately, we had to ungrade the game because they came back and they played it six hours later. Obviously, when you look at this situation, you know, it became pretty clear when they came out and said, you know, we're not going to be playing the game this week. Then some of the conversation started to turn. Well, you know, could they play it Monday, Tuesday, and it still be within that eight day window? Could they, you know, could they get rid of the, um, you know, the opponents who they were playing this week and play the Bills Bengals game this weekend instead? You know, would, would they be moving back, you know, the, the um, you know, the wild card and, and the playoffs a week into that weekend where there's the Super Bowl bye, things like that. So I think there's so many balls that are kind of still up in the air as it comes to, to scheduling and you never really know what the uh, the NFL is going to do as it relates to that stuff. Um, there's obviously been talk, you know, earlier before I started this podcast that the Bills may not even play this weekend um, and, and things like that. So for us, we just have to be 100 sh- percent sure uh, and certain before we do ultimately make that refunds. And obviously, as we get closer to uh, to the weekend, we're hopeful the NFL will come out and, and provide a little bit more clarity so we can speed up that refund process. And, and, and just curious, and I probably could have looked this up and uh, done my own research, but I didn't. So what is the house rule with regard to the the season-long contest? Uh, if you had that game and they don't continue it, is it just uh, it's, it's, a, it's a zero? Uh, or and, and can it st- if they do continue it a week from now, uh, will it, would it still count? Yeah, great question. Uh, for the contest, obviously, there was a ton of cancellations with COVID. So we specifically wrote that rule in for this. 
typically on a canceled game, you usually get zero points. Uh, but given everything we went through with COVID and stuff like that, you know, we kind of huddled as a team and thought about what was the most fair response, you know, when a game like this is canceled. And for us, we, we graded it as a quote unquote push, uh, which means both sides of the contest, both the bills and the Bengals would get a half a point. Um, so obviously, you know, in this situation, you're not getting the full point, but you're also not in this situation getting zero points. Uh, we believe a half a point to be fair and equitable given the situation. Um, and we graded that once we got to the end of co- the contest week, uh, which was Wednesday at 2 a.m. Uh, so all participants who had that game, uh, whether they had the Bills or the Bengals, they each got a half a point. Gotcha. All right. Let's lighten this up for a second. I, I want to talk specifically about Devin Booker's crotch. Uh he 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 goes out. He he comes back after a few games off with a groin injury. Comes out. I guess there was a few like boosts out there or something. I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but I do know he plays four minutes and then you know he's done for the day. He he can't go on. Uh, and I know FanDuel and other books started refunding bets. You know, bad beat bets and uh, never one to shy away from sticking your nose in the the other people's business. Mr. Benson comes out and says, what the hell are you guys doing? This is bad. This is bad, bad, bad. And so I'm curious to know, I mean, as a better, if I listen, if I make a bet and they want to give me my money back, what do I care? You know, I'll take it. But tell me why I shouldn't think that way. Tell me why this is just bad all around for the, for the business. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Um, I think if they had consistency uh, with an approach as to when they would be giving betters back their money, uh, meaning that, you know, if a player doesn't play more than X amount of minutes or a game doesn't, you know, get through, you know, a certain amount of quarters or halves or whatever, I think if they had certain criteria for when a refund would be given when a player, you know, exits a game, is hurt, things like that, I think that consistency of when and when they do it and when they don't, I think it would be very beneficial to betters to know when they're getting that refund and when they're not getting that refund because right now i think there's so much ambiguity and into when these operators do you know a bad beat refund a karma committee whatever it may be and i think that ambiguity leads to the behavior that we're seeing right now which is a lot of entitlement um in terms of oh my player went down you know in this game and, you know, reaching out to people on social media and complaining that they deserve a refund when, you know, you're making these bets, you have to understand the inherent risks behind injuries and information and all these different things. And that goes into what the price is and that goes into what you're betting and that goes into the inherent risk of the relationship between the bookmaker and the better. And it's kind of funny to watch these people cry a foul when if they had the under in these specific scenarios, (laughs) sports book came out and said, well, you know, based on this player getting hurt, we're refunding all wagers. I think they'd be singing a very different tune. And I think obviously the, the, the point you alluded to, which, you know, as a better, sure. It's, it's a nice, you know, refund. It's a nice token. It's a nice loyalty customer service thing for sure. I, I can buy all of those different arguments, but I think for betters, what they don't realize is, it's, it's kind of a twofold thing. A, if they continue to complain and, and books are forced under the pressure to continue giving refunds, they're not going to be as apt or incentivized to put up the deep 
menu of props that they're currently putting up. Um, and if these betters continue to cry a foul when any injury happens, what, what, why, why would these books, you know, continue to put up, you know, player props on the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth player on that specific team and things like that, just to put themselves in, in the scenario where betters want refunds every time an injury happens. And then secondly, and, and probably more importantly, you may be getting free money on the front end, but what are you really paying for on the back end? Maybe now you start to see props at minus 130, minus 130 instead of minus 115, minus 115, because books are juicing in this kind of injury insurance that betters are now expecting. So you may be getting something on the front end, but ultimately, what are you paying for on the back end? You know, I, I like to say, you know, we don't really do promos and pre bets and, and things like that. A lot of these other books do do that, but then ultimately the, the money that you're getting on the front end, you know, think about what you're paying in terms of the hold percentage you're betting into these future markets, you know, the hold that you're betting and, you know, the splits that you're betting into these prop markets, the, uh, the money line splits, you know, things being juiced at minus 112, minus 112 instead of minus 110, minus 110. So it may be something, you know, that's nice, cushy and, uh, you know, brings a smile to your face up front. But I think it's short-sighted from betters to believe that this behavior won't induce worse pricing or less props in the future for them to bet on. Unintended consequences rears its ugly head, I guess, right there. All right, I don't. I'm, I'm going to read. I'm going to refuse any refunds I'm offered going forward. <laughs> in an effort. <laughs> I just, you know, like I said, I, I think obviously in today's social media age, you know, the 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 expectation and the entitlement from these betters. As I see know, it, yeah created a uh, an equal an ecosystem that uh, you know they don't necessarily realize that maybe their behavior could uh, could worsen the things that they'll uh, they'll see in the future gotcha all right n- next topic to uh, set you off on, uh, on on one of your favorite uh, uh, topics that you have a a clear viewpoint on I want you to give us the definitive statement clarifying this uh, the notion that sports books want even action on both sides of a game. Is it a total myth or is there some degree of truth to it, but it's overblown in terms of some people thinking it's the core principle of bookmaking? I mean, it's totally overblown. It's a, uh, it's an absolute myth. And yeah, as a good bookmaker, it's something that, uh, you know, we certainly don't strive for, you know, I, I kind of to boil it down into a, uh, you know, a short synopsis, obviously every situation is different, but, you know, when you think about it, like this, you know, we're taking 200,000 day of, you know, on NFL sides, you have a recreational player who comes in, you know, they get negative CLV on most of their bets. They have zero market influence and they're a losing better over time. They come in and they bet 200,000 on a game laying seven, you know, we move to seven and a half and the whole world, the whole world painted seven. We moved to seven and a half. We're the only seven and a half in, in the world. And we sell back all of that 200000 to guys who have market influence, guys who have information, guys who are beating the closing number, guys who are winning consistently into major markets with us. We sell back the entirety of that 200000 that we just wrote to this recreational player uh, back to this non-recreational or sharp group. Um and then we say, quote unquote, we have, you know, 50 percent uh, balanced action on both sides. You know, to me, 
that's horrendous bookmaking and not a profitable position, uh, obviously for the book. Getting 50-50, you know, in and of its own right is a hard enough proposition to like organically do on your own. Um, but but to manufacture it, you know, to, to try to just collect the VIG when instead you should be profiling your players and utilizing the information from the sharp players to both, you know, make your line the most efficient as, as possible and get to the right number as cheaply as possible. That should really be the goal is this, this 50, 50 kind of notion of just getting as much action on both sides and collecting the big without taking an opinion on a game is not the way you should be bookmaking when you, when you have players who you respect um, utilizing their action to go into a game, needing that the side, needing the side that they're betting to me, that's the way you book. Um, and I think when you look at a lot of these, you know, soft book shops, you know, maybe they're, you know, I, I don't really understand it, but maybe they're going for the whole 50, 50 notion um, because they don't have, you know, sharp guys to help shape their line and, you know, help form that opinion of what side they need when they go into a game. But, you know, when you take bets from recreational players or, or players who you don't think have market influence, and then you move the number and then write it all back to sharp guys. That's not a winning proposition in the long run. So, so it's not necessarily a total myth in the sense that some bookmakers may have that approach. You're just saying as far as the Circa approach, uh, that's not the goal is to get even action. The goal is to set the best line you can. But it, it may be that this belief that bookmakers are looking to do this, that that sprung out of some bookmakers taking that attitude i mean i can say good bookmakers certainly aren't ever looking for 50 50 you know i i can't speak for soft book operators or, or poor bookmakers but yeah i mean the uh, the idea that people would, would want 50 50 and not want to go into a game you know needing the uh the side that uh, you know the sharper guys are betting you know to me seems like a losing proposition and uh you know something that's going to affect your profitability in the long run all right, a little inside baseball for this inside baseball podcast here. When I, as a reporter, when I like reach out to some of the, well, all of the other books for a comment about something or a story I'm working on, or God forbid, I want to get someone high up the food chain like yourself, it's back and forth, sometimes weeks at a time. They want questions beforehand. It's like nonstop work on my part. When I reach out to you, I, it's instantaneous comments. You're, you're on half my story ideas from that have involved. You come from you yourself out on Twitter saying things. I mean, did you set out to be, and I'll, I'll call it the bad boy bookmaking out there where, you know, you're not afraid to put your opinion out there. I mean, it's, it's rare in the business. I mean, there's not, it's, it's not like you see FanDuel's, you know, director of operations out there spouting off, you know, his opinion. Right. So did you set out to do this? You know, how does it sit? Well, I, I'm assuming it sits very well with uh, Derek and the rest of the crew there. But like, did, was this a planned thing or this is just you being you? I think it's really me just being me and us being us. You know, I think being different uh, is definitely a good thing in business. And I think, uh, you know, when you look around the industry, you know, it's really cookie cutter. Um, every shop is doing the exact same thing. Um, and they don't really have anybody to, from a name or a face perspective, associate with that specific sports book, you know, as guys who bet, you know, we're guys who want to walk into a sports book and know what we can get on this specific market. You know, if we want to wire money in, 
you know, we want to get a check. We have a question about a contest, whatever it may be. We want answers and having people to, uh, to answer that stuff without necessarily having to cut through all this red tape. Um, I think it's something that's important. Obviously we're a privately held company run by our CEO and owner, Derek Stevens, you know, whereas most of these places are big conglomerate corporations, you know, where as betters, you're just a number. Um, and I think, you know, with what we're trying to do with the, with the management team that we have and, you know, making myself available, you know, both at the counter and on Twitter to, to answer questions and things like that. I think it really just provides a nice customer service component um, and something that's a little bit different than what you see in the industry. And, you know, I, I think for us, it's all about being honest, being transparent, being organic. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, maybe some of what I've done or said it has probably ruffled a lot of feathers, but, you know, for, for, for the most part, I think there's a lot of people who appreciate that, uh, that honesty, that transparency and that organicness, you know, from everybody on our team. And, you know, for, for me, obviously, and a lot of the guys, you know, who, who work here, you know, we're guys who also bet, um, you know, we have an understanding of the industry, you know, we have an understanding of the way we would want to be treated as betters. And, you know, I think when you look around at a lot of these corporations, you know, they have people up top who don't understand betting, who have never made a bet, you know, who want to slide a smooth uh, glide path when, it, when you're talking about, you know, theoretical hold from a month to month perspective. Um, and they don't really understand variance in the business. So did I set out to necessarily be the bad boy of the industry or, you know, kind of ruffle feathers? Not really, but, you know, I don't really care that my opinion ruffles feathers because as an operator, I'm speaking on behalf of the player and I'm trying to make the, uh, the ecosystem, uh, you know, better for, for everyone in it. So everything I do when I wake up is, uh, you know, focused on being a net positive, uh, for the industry and, you know, providing a, uh, an outlet and a resource, you know, for betters in which they can reach out and ask questions and ultimately provide a sports book in which they're able to show up to the window or, you know, log into their app and, and get down on the positions they want to. Everyone, everyone deserves a good nickname in this industry. I think. I think the Ruffler might, 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 might fit. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna see if I can make it stick. Jeff, the, the, the Ruffler Benson. It's not bad, but I gotta say, I, I, I think the bad boy of bookmaking has a yeah. has a certain ring to it. With the alliteration of all the B's, bad boy Benson. I don't know. You can really it, it go. Works. You can't go wrong with either of these, really. I guess we'll workshop it. I'll, I'll take either one of them. I'm uh, not immune to either. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, he is the ruffler. He is the bad boy of bookmaking. He is Jeff Benson. Thanks so much for joining us on Ungamble On. Always great talking to you, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to Bagels and Locks and some DFS talk shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. Just a few results graded since our last episode. Uh, we do have a whole bunch of mostly pre-Jeff NFL futures that will be settled soon, uh, but just one this week. I took a shot on the Falcons to win the NFC South a few weeks ago, and uh, at various points, I was kicking myself for not going with the longer shot Panthers, uh, but in the end... The stupid, mediocre Bucks won the division anyway. Uh, so we lost $100 there, $50 of it being my fault, 50 being Jeff's fault for insisting we go bigger. Um, I, I can't blame Jeff uh, for any percentage uh, of this one. However, I had uh, a Week 16 NFL parlay of Eagles to beat Cowboys and Commanders to beat Niners. Would have paid almost 10 to 1, but both ends lost. We dropped $60 on that. However, we still had a winning week. 
because Jeff pounced on the over for Derrick Henry rushing yards in week 16 without even knowing the line. He put $200 on it and it hit. So that comes out to a $182 profit, meaning we won $22 for this two week period. We're now down by $2,354. We have $1,615 on hold in futures bets, leaving us with 6031 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first. And uh, here's something a little different, a uh, low risk, high reward, an NBA futures bet that I think is a lot more live to win than the odds suggest. Uh, our colleague Mike Seely wrote about the Brooklyn Nets surge on Wednesday, and in his article called to my attention that their center, Nick Claxton, and his defensive player of the year potential, Mike noted that he was 25 to 1 at one book, but uh, I shopped around and found him at plus 5,000, 50 to 1 at Foxbet. Claxton is currently second in the NBA in blocks per game. Brooke Lopez has 2.6, and he's the favorite for DPOY. Claxton has 2.5. Nobody else is above 2.2, at least among qualifying players with enough games played. I'll get back to that in a second. But uh, Claxton is averaging more rebounds, 8.2, than Lopez is, 6.5, and doing so in fewer minutes. Basically, Lopez got out to a hot start and became the favorite for the award, and the odds haven't fully caught up to what's happened since. Um, That said, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of these two guys. It could be Jaron Jackson Jr., who actually has 3.1 blocks per game, just not enough games played yet to qualify. If he stays healthy, he's definitely in the mix. There are plenty of others, Giannis, Bam Adebayo, Evan Mobley. But 50 to 1 on Claxton, while Lopez is around 2 to 1, especially if the Nets end up with the top record in the league, which they possibly could. I love this price. So let's go $20, 20 bucks. We absolutely won't miss it if it loses. Risk 20 bucks to win 1,000. You've inspired me. Okay, good. $200 to win 1,000 uh-huh. for me, mm-hmm. plus 500. Mr. Nikola Jokic. Whatever reason. I don't even know how to say that. <laughs> Is it Jokic? I've heard a lot of people. Jokic or Jokic? I don't even know. I I don't think either is quite right. I believe it's Jokic. I believe. Jokic. Yes. Like uh, like an if 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 you scratch an egg, Jokic. Think of it that way. Jokic. A a Jokic. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. MVP. Three Pete. Uh, they the Nuggets have the best record in the West. Uh, Jokic's (laughs) numbers are remarkably similar if not better than they were in his two mvp campaigns uh if if the nuggets continue doing what they're doing the drum beat for the three peats going to get louder and louder do i think he's going to win eh, maybe uh but i think that that if, if things continue the way they're going these odds are going to shorten up you know significantly so i i think it's a little bit of a value play here on yoke itch for uh plus 500 uh i got it at FanDuel. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right that that is value. I think it's one of those things where before the season, people were like, eh, there's no way they're giving it to him a third time in a row. So his odds were a little longer. And I feel like the narrative is maybe shifting toward, boy, wouldn't it be cool if this guy three-peats? Uh, I think if, if, right. he, if he deserves it, he's going to get the votes, I think. I agree. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, I'd like yeah. to win. That would be nice. Yeah. Hey, maybe we're both going to add a thousand bucks to the bankroll. We'll see. Um, so uh, my next bet, I'll do the college football championship. Um, I feel like we ought to have something on this game. I watched basically no college football all season until New Year's Eve when I watched decent chunks of both TCU, Michigan and Georgia, Ohio State. And my sense after watching those was that 
Georgia is likely to win this game going away. Uh, the spread has bounced between 13 and 12. We can still find a minus 12 at minus 109 at the Canby books. Um, and I already had this bet locked in. And then this morning, uh, before we started recording, I listened to Rufus Peabody on a podcast, and he said he makes the true spread minus 18. So I feel even more confident. Uh, so Georgia minus 12, let's bet $109 to win 100. And if it loses, we're going to feel great about that $1 that I just saved us. Yeah, no, I think every dollar counts. Yes. I mean, every a dollar a day, it's $365 in a year. This is this is no joke. Good math there. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. And in leap years, it's even more. <laughs> I gotta, I, I, let me, you'll have to give me a minute to do the math on that one. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, my next set of bets here. Well, it, this is like a bit of a double bet here. Okay. Um, it's a future, another future. Uh, Colin Farrell, like back to my Oscar. <laughs> here we are. Okay. By the way, uh, Colin Farrell, hundred bucks at plus two twenty five on DraftKings to win Best Actor. All right. Brandon Fraser is the odds on favorite, but critics hate the whale, the movie The Whale. They, right. they Fraser's role is tremendous. They say they really despise the movie. I think that's going to hurt Frazier in the end. And Farrell has got, got a lot of like a lot of buzz for his, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the movie he's in. Uh, but anyway, he's getting a lot of buzz and people like Farrell apparently. So I think Farrell has the inside track, but I really, <laughs> what I really wanted to bet was the third favorite Austin Butler for his role in Elvis. All right. Mm-hmm. He's out. You could get him at 600 plus 600 points bet. I think there's going to be a groundswell for him. I, he he was really good. I don't know if you've seen the movie. He was really good in it. And I, there's he's young and he's you know good looking and he's like new Hollywood and I I, I could see I, I could see it I could see it. The point being, I'm basically so I'm putting a hundred dollars on Farrell and a hundred dollars on Butler, expecting Farrell to win. We'll profit twenty five bucks. But if Butler wins, then you know we're, we're sitting pretty. If, but if, if Frazier wins, you know then uh, forget about it. But I, I, I really, I, I think by the time the Oscars rolls around, Farrell's going to be the heavy favorite. So well, that, but I'm, I, I really want to see Butler win. So that's where I'm at. Okay, I, I love your passion for these Oscars bets, mostly regarding movies that you haven't even seen. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen any of these. Oh, it doesn't matter. I, I'm right. just, I, it's 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 right in line with you not watching the football matter. games. Eric, basically. I can't tell you how much I. No, but my favorite betting markets are Oscars, NFL draft, NBA draft by leaps and bounds. Right. Okay. Um, the, my, my only uh, analysis of, of all this is that um, I was sort of surprised about the fact that Brendan Fraser was emerging as the favorite because for the last 30 plus years now, I have known in my heart of hearts that Brendan Fraser is a pretty bad actor. So uh, I I am I don't know if I don't know if you agree with me on that but I he's he's like almost Keanu level for me of like yeah you know sometimes he can get by but for the most part I I don't understand his career other than the fact that he was good looking when he was younger but uh so I I'm I mean, hoping I'm hoping one of your two guys overtakes him here and wins this Yeah me too All right let's do bagels and locks uh last picks uh 2 weeks ago week 16 I lost with the Bears plus eight and a half versus the Bills. They got absolutely smoked after going into halftime with a lead. Uh, so I'm now down to two, five, and one, which is almost impossible. Uh, Jeff, you had Steelers minus two versus Raiders. They won by three. Never a doubt. Uh, so you are now five and three, a respectable Bagels and Locks record. And it's your turn to go first. All right. Is the over in the Dolphins-Jets game. Last I checked, it was 38 and a half. Uh, I'm not sure what it is this morning, but 
I have nothing to base this on, uh, except the fact that like Dolphins need to win. The Jets want to play spoiler. Uh, the Jets Dolphins games have a history of getting wacky. This is you know the, you got the games down in Florida. I don't know. I, I, it seems like a low number, despite I know the injuries with the Dolphins quarterbacks and blah blah blah. Thirty eight and a half doesn't seem like a big number to hit, and I think the Jets are going to want to like put their stamp on their season here with the, trying to knock the Dolphins out. I don't know. I like the over. Okay. Uh, seems a reasonable uh, lock to me. Uh, my lock, I feel like a square picking this, but there, there's really only one spread that feels obvious to me right now. And it's Steelers minus two and a half at home against the Browns. There, there are so few games where each team's motivation is clear and where the line feels favorable. This is the only one that jumps out to me. The Steelers need to win and they also need to have the Pats lose to the Bills and the Dolphins lose to the Jets. All those games are at the same time. It's possible Pittsburgh's fate will be sealed before their game is over, but they'll still be motivated to get Tomlin to nine and eight. They're at home. We're on the right side of the hook. The Browns are not a good football team, and all they're playing for is pride. Uh, plus, Kenny Pickett is getting better with each game. He's playing less like a rookie now. It 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 all kind of feels too easy. I feel like a square. So be it. Maybe I am a square. Uh, this is my lock of the week. Okay, uh, the final week of the regular season is always a weird DFS week. Uh, this year, it's even weirder than usual. Uh, Jeff, give me your Week 18 DFS thoughts. Yeah, I mean, normally by this time of the week, I have, like, everything in order, like, in my mind for the most part. I have nothing in order in my mind right now. Uh, I think a Week 18, the last week of the season, is always going to be wacky. But, yeah, this week, this season feels wackier than most. Uh, I don't know, if you're not paying attention to everything, I do not recommend playing this week. Hmm. Uh, I'm almost certainly it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm almost certainly going to leave tons of money on the table. Uh, I, I'm despite the fact that I have yet to enter one contest, I'm relatively confident. I'm probably going to be spending the most money I ever spent on DFS play this week because that's invariably what ends up happening. Uh, yeah, it's a disaster that I am <laughs> going to be here for. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I haven't looked at pricing or anything like that yet. I, I'm sure some great values will, will emerge. It's possible a, a quarterback like Sam Howell is going to win someone big money. Um, the, the interesting thing to me, again, without having looked at any pricing, is building some Chargers tournament teams. I, I assume that people will be reluctant to use them because if the Ravens lose at one o'clock, the Chargers are locked into the five seed and have nothing to play for. So... You can get very low ownership on these guys if the Ravens win and the Chargers are playing for something. So I would I'd say just, you know, build those lineups, but then be available at 4 p.m. to to late swap all those guys out if the Ravens lose. But but I'd imagine you're going to get Herbert, Eckler, Allen, etc. at about half the ownership they would have if people could be confident they'd all be playing. Let's see. This is what we're doing. This is what we're talking about. This this is a very, very good idea you got there, Eric. I will be doing that. Thank you. <laughs> You're quite welcome. Uh, don't blame me if uh, if it all implodes, of course. No, I wouldn't. But that's but that's that's the kind of thinking that needs to go into this week, right? You have to where where you know the, there's different edges this week than there are normally. Yeah, definitely. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to this week's guest, Jeff Benson. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. 
I mean, Eric, what, what else is there to say, right? You know, watching sports is fun, betting on sports is fun. But, you know, when we, when something happens, like what happened on Monday night, you know, you realize, and probably, honestly, if we're being honest here, you only realize it, you know, for a little bit before normalcy and normality rears its head. You know, you realize that this stuff is not that important, you know, at all. Uh, so listen, you know, hug your family, count your blessings, get your own house in order, and, you know, take a moment, reflect, and then, once you do that, sure, go ahead, gamble on.